Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome into a special Hoopsville edition here. Uh, a little bit loud audio. We'll fix that as we speak. Uh, I am Dave McHugh, obviously a Sunday sh afternoon show, not an evening show. I hope you're getting an opportunity to join us on the air. If you see me looking down at my monitor a little bit more often than usual, please uh, understand that that is just something that uh, that i got to do. I, normally, you're looking at me as I'm looking right at a monitor. I can do everything in front of me, but I'm going to have to look down at the monitor here. But believe it or not, we are here at the Kreger Center on the campus of Roanoke College, uh, a brand-new facility that we knew was being built but hadn't had a chance to see Thanks to the fact that I came down here for Division Three soccer championships to call them for the NCAA.com. I got a chance to see the Kreger Center. Also, thanks to the fact that Roanoke men moved their game against Virginia Wesleyan to this afternoon. Also, with an opportunity to dedicate this floor to one of their former coaches. So, kind of add that all up. I was going to be here Sunday morning anyway. We have to do a show tonight, or that would have been the plan. So, we said, well, why don't we put two and two together? I actually thank the likes of Pat Coleman, Gordon Mann, and, and Ryan Scott for kind of brainstorming this one a little bit with me. Forgive me as my contact tries to pop out of my eye. Um, and so, uh, we took advantage of it, and so we are here, and you literally see me dealing with my contact. Um, don't forget, Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com. We are not necessarily at the NABC WBCA studios, um, but we hope you uh, will enjoy the show all the same. Of course, NABC and WBCA huge supporters of the show, and we thank them for their um, participation, as we always do. So we are here in Salem. I did get a chance to see Virginia Wesleyan take on Roanoke. We'll talk more about that later. Please forgive my contact that it is not cooperating. We will hopefully fix it momentarily. Um, so the biggest key for us, obviously, is the simple fact that being here at one of the newest facilities is huge. This place is brand new, spent quite a bit of money to build it. It's not just a basketball arena. There is a indoor track. There is other things going on that certainly make this place pretty darn impressive. It's got, uh, I think they said, eight to ten locker rooms. Um, it's about four stories tall, among other things. I guess the contact's just not going to like me. We'll fix that later. So, yeah, that's why if you wonder why I dropped off air. That's what happens. Contacts just don't like me. Anyway, uh, it, this facility is millions of dollars made. I would put it up at already one of the best facilities in Division Three. No, I've not seen all 460 facilities out there. I know there's quite a few, especially in Illinois and Wisconsin and the like, that are pretty stout. I know there's some up in New England that are pretty good. But considering what this can do, it seats about 1,700 in bucket seating. Uh, the lighting is amazing. We are not using any of our own lights, which is pretty rare. The floor is great. It's got a beautiful view of the Roanoke Valley out of major window. If anyone's been to Hope, it's got a... Uh, a, a a horseshoe effect like that but on the end instead of another court it actually has a window out overlooking a part of the campus dorms and out onto the mountains uh, that surround Roanoke College it is a beautiful facility and we had to come here and check it out so here we are getting an early season Hoopsville on the road show put together for you I hope you enjoy it. We don't have a ton of content, to be honest, mainly based on the simple fact that hard to do a show on the road, especially as busy as we have been, especially myself with soccer and football as well. So this is a little bit of an augmented show. Again, we were not on the air on Thursday, and I certainly apologize for that. Um, just just couldn't get uh, the way we wanted it to put it together. Didn't have time while trying to arrange soccer and the like. So we apologize for that um, and hope you don't mind the fact we weren't on the air. Um, 
Hold on a quick second as I try and adjust some things here. Bit of a rough show off the gate, but we can figure it out. But again, sorry for the lack of a show on Thursday. Um, we will certainly make up for it, we hope, with this show. But also next Thursday, we'll be back on the air at our normal time, 7 o'clock. We'll be then back on the air next Sunday at 7 o'clock as well. All in the hopes of uh, covering as much Division Three as we can as we balance also the other sports in the world like D3 football. Uh, D3 football, Gallardi Trophy will be, and Stag Bowl will be down here in about 10 days to cover all of that and we hope uh, you'll even join us there as we do that uh, as well but that'll get us down here for other things as well so it's really busy it's division three we put a lot of time into this and we hope you uh, enjoy our coverage uh, as much as everybody else um a lot going on in Division Three. Obviously, our first week's polls have come out. We should talk about those, and we will coming up. Uh, just so you know, we will talk to Harry Carvey Cutter. Uh, we call him Championship Man nowadays down here in Salem. They handed out their 80... 80th and 81st championships with women's soccer and men's soccer here, um, and 65th and 66th Division Three titles. Uh, we will talk to Ke to Kerry coming up. Uh, we'll also talk to Clay Nunley, head coach of now Roanoke College, coming up. Tough loss today against Virginia Wesleyan, but we'll talk to him about the uh, team and, and, and the ramifications and whatnot, all coming up here on the show. Uh, but we'll also go over the top 25. And then coming up, Ryan Scott, our Around the Nation columnist, will join me. He's been, been able to keep his pulse on Division Three basketball a little bit better than I've been able to in the last week or so. So we'll talk to him about what's going on out there and some of the surprises. Obviously, a new men's poll will come out tomorrow, but we got, we got a, we're already underway with our first in-season poll. Um, I don't think a lot of surprises on, on either side. Maybe some people are surprised. On the women's side, Tufts remains the number one team. Amherst uh, remained number two, as did most of the top five. Scranton moved up from four to five, and Thomas Moore moved from four, uh, four down to five. Not really sure why. Some voters probably changing their minds. Though Scranton certainly pulled away from Thomas Moore in that voting, and it may have been that people are reacting now to, the, to, the, uh, to what Thomas Moore is going through. They still have first four first-place votes. St. Thomas remained the same. Wash U moved up a little bit. Not a ton of moving around. Um, Rochester fell due to their loss from 7th to 11th. This was all leading into last week's poll. And then, of course, we had four teams jump into the poll for the first time this season. Whitewater, Stockton, Calvin, and Chicago. Uh, River Falls, Muhlenberg, Stevens, and Claremont Scripps jumped out. Not too surprising. Though Muhlenberg, I think, will probably reemerge. On the men's side, Amherst solidified its number one with 19 first-place votes. Babson uh, moved up from three to two because uh, Christopher Newport lost with five first place votes. Tufts moved up to three, probably a little high for Tufts. They then did uh, lose to Babson uh, yesterday. We'll talk to Ryan Scott a little bit about that. Marietta garnered a first place vote, jumped from 17th to fourth, certainly well deserved after the season that they have had to start. Whitman jumped into fifth from ninth. Uh, North Central jumped to sixth from 13th. We mentioned Christopher Newport dropped to seventh from two. Whitworth's up to eight. Wash U has jumped from 20th to nine. Something interesting if you saw my blog. I am not voting for Wash U right now. Um, it's nothing against Wash U. There's just so many teams. I want to really see what the Bears are made of now they already lost this weekend so something to keep an eye on there st norbert went one and one and dropped six spots while worcester dropped four spots after losing to marietta but it was the fact that they lost big to marietta that was a factor there and and but the big key here is 
We had seven teams enter the top 25. Illinois Wesleyan leapfrogged into 16th. Rochester to 18th. 19th for Salisbury. Baldwin Wallace at 20th. Eau Claire at 21st. Mount St. Joseph at 22nd, though Mount St. Joseph has now lost. WPI to 23rd and 24th for Endicott. First time Endicott has ever been in the top 25. Uh, Ohio Wesleyan, John Carroll, Alma, Emory, Virginia Wesleyan, Oshkosh, FNM, and Middlebury all fell out. And Ohio Wesleyan fell out of from 8th, and John Carroll fell from 11th. This will settle out a little bit. I suspect most of those teams we mentioned, Ohio Wesleyan, John Carroll, um, maybe Emory, uh, certainly Virginia Wesleyan, will probably reemerge, maybe even Middlebury. I don't think we see Elma back in the top 25 this season. They've lost a ton. They not only lost two starters who graduated, they lost a third significant player to transfer, and then they have two players who may be out for the season. So they almost lost a ton that voters really didn't know in the preseason. Emory, I think, is going to get back into it. They're one of the top teams in the top 25, and of course, in the country. Virginia Wesleyan, who I get to see today, will certainly probably reemerge as one of the top teams in the ODAC. Uh, we'll get in there. Interesting enough, no teams in the ODAC um, were in the top 25. Uh, I'm voting for Lynchburg personally, but I may be the only one voting for Lynchburg. Uh, they've got 18 votes. So I'm not the only one, but uh, it feels that way. Uh, Oshkosh, I don't think reemerges. Maybe they do in the top 25. FNM, I think, is going to struggle this season. I think people are going to be surprised at how much they struggle this season and they won't maybe necessarily reemerge. Maybe Middlebury. I think the top of the NESCAC is going to be in a pretty situ interesting situation. But Ryan Scott will be on later in the show and we'll talk to him about that uh, here on this special edition of Hoopsville. Speaking of special editions, we're going to take a break when we come back. Clay Nunley will join me, the head coach for Roanoke College. You may remember he's taken over for Paige Moyer coming from Randolph College, uh, staying in the ODAC, which may be the chagrin of some of the head coaches because uh, Clay's a Clay's done pretty well at Randolph. Imagine what he's going to be able to do under Roanoke. We'll talk to him, though coming off a tough loss, as we said, to the Marlins here uh, at the Cracker Center. But we'll talk to him about what he expects of his team, of this building, of the conference, and of the region. So we'll take a break and do that. Then Carrie, Car Carrie Harvey Cutter will come on later. And, of course, we'll hear from Ryan Scott. So you're watching a special edition of Hoopsville. Don't forget you can interact with us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. Join us on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. We'll try and interact with you as well. Don't forget the podcast will be available, though there will be a little bit of a delay today. We'll have it. Maybe we can get it turned around in time uh, to get it before we leave the building today. But most likely what will happen is we'll get that up and online tonight so you can listen to all you podcasters can listen to it on either Sunday night or Monday morning like you normally do. Anyway, we'll take a break. When we come back, Clay Nunley will join us. You've been listening to Hoops Hope presented by D3Hoops.com. And while we're not at the WBCA NABC studios in Baltimore, we do thank them for their support. More Hoops right after this. College basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum, it's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor's Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that college basketball built. It starts right when you hit the court. You imagine your finest moment. The game-winning shot that gets you to the dance. A monster dunk or no-look pass. And cutting down the net. Sports lets us dream of our own success. And prepare us for our finest moments on and off the court. I'm a current Division III student athlete. 
and I remember how intimidating the first year of college can be. So if you're a first year student athlete and nervous about coming out as LGBTQ, I pledge to stand by your side as your ally. If you can play, you can play Division Three. We are Division Three student athletes, and you can be too. If you can play, you can play in Division Three. I did receive a non-athletic scholarship upon entering uh, school. I got the presidential scholarship, which was huge for me. I think there's more opportunities for academic scholarships in Division Three. I did receive academic scholarships. Just being involved on campus, being a leader, all those things combined kind of get me recognized. It's a great experience for me. And welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. I'm your host, Dave McHugh. I'm now joined uh, by uh, Clay Nunley, head coach of uh, Roanoke College. Of course, you can always interact with us, Hoopsville, at d3hoops.com, or join us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Um, of course, hashtag Hoopsville on Twitter and all, all those other ways. It's scrolling at the bottom of the screen. You can do it. And we're joined by Clay now. First and foremost, uh, let's just get the, the maybe the cannot, not the elephant in the room taken care of. You you hit the lottery here coming to Roanoke College with this wonderful new Kreger Center and everything that's going on. You, you've really kind of hit a home run with this opportunity. Yeah, I feel very lucky. I, uh, players feel the same. This is a state-of-the-art facility. It's, you can see it's remarkable, and we're very lucky and, and thankful to have something like this. We'll talk more about the facility in a minute, but, you know, Everyone got to know you a little bit in the Division Three world with what you were able to do at Randolph, and I know the old Dominion Athletic Conference got to see what you got to do at Randolph. You guys were, I think that ball was halfway down the rim, uh, away from making the NCAA mm. tournament last year. It was pretty darn close. Yeah, you're bringing up some painful memories. I know, me. I know, but that's what we do in, in the media yeah. side of things. Yeah. Um, but then, you know, you decide to, to take the opportunity. I'm kind of curious, what was it about this job that made you decide, you know what, I do want to make a try for that one? Well... I think uh, I was. There was a lot about Randolph that I really enjoyed. I wasn't out there actively pursuing opportunities. Yeah. I was happy. And I think if my point in saying that is, it was going to take something that was uh, what I deemed or viewed from my perspective as a special situation, circumstance for for me, for our family, and uh, that's certainly what this is uh, in, in so many ways. The basketball piece of it, of course, but uh, even bigger than that. I mean, the institution. Uh, it's a remarkable place. The people here are top notch. And uh, and it's just uh, it's been a great place to call home for the last seven eight months. Uh, we have work to do here, and um, you know we're excited about um, what we think we can do moving forward. But certainly have a lot of um, things that we need to do, and 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 um, pieces to lay, so to speak. Um, but uh, but there's a lot that we're excited about. About an hour fifteen, hour thirty from Lynchburg or so. So somewhat in yeah. the still in the same region, obviously same in the area. Not a huge move necessarily. Mm. But and nothing against Randolph, brand new program that you had started, but this is a significant step up in some ways, again with the Kreger Center, but also the fact that, you know, athletics has been such ingrained in this campus and in this in this valley for so long that, you know, expectations are a little bit different. Do you sense that? Did you sense that when you took the job? Um, I think you expect that because this is a very proud program mm -hmm. and and and, um, and that's a good thing in the sense that you want to be at a place where people care. I think any coach feels that way. Uh, so, uh, no question, you expect there to be a lot of people who um, are hopeful that uh, you know there can be a lot of uh, success on the horizon. By the same token, I don't think we're any different as coaches. We set the bar high for ourselves, for our teams, and uh, you know you can't get too caught up in that. Sometimes you see, for, you know, you want to you want to keep the the short term in perspective, which is 
let's just progress and keep getting a little bit better and then uh, hopefully uh, we're, we're around in the corner and peaking at the right time as we get later in the year and and when the when, when everything really kind of matters most uh, not that it doesn't matter now it does but sure. uh, but obviously you want to be building to where you're playing your best at the most important times well, of the year. take advantage of the conference tournament if you can mm-hmm. which at Randolph you guys did quite often and you guys played spoiler or at least you know made it interesting in the tournament on on several occasions how hard was it to to walk away from the Wildcats, a program that you had started, that you had really brought into the limelight, even got top 25 recognition for. Yeah, it was hard. It was emotional. And um, that's because, of course, it's the the relationships. That's what keys all of that. I mean, relationships with uh, the players, of course, not just the current players, the previous players, uh, former players, uh, the athletic director, uh, your coaching staff there. There's um, uh, a lot of uh, emotional bonds. So that that part certainly poses a challenge, but in the big picture, this was the right decision. It was in it, it was a, a clear decision after we looked at it, and evaluated, it, spent time as a family talking about it, and uh, and I it, I think it says a lot about our players at Randolph. Um, I think they were surprised. I think maybe there was some sense of um, certainly disappointment, but at the same time, not once have I ever not felt support from them you know even in the times when we met when I had to tell them that this had happened it was a it was an emotional night I think they were stunned I was uh I was emotional and yet uh their comment to me was very simply um you know we support why you have to do this we understand why you have to do this and uh we have your back if you will and uh, I think that says a lot about them we always felt like we won with character at Randolph and Mm -hmm. you see that character in a lot of ways not just on the court and I think you see it in moments like that as well. Interestingly enough, at least one of them came with you. Am I correct that you had a transfer come mm-hmm. with you? So at least one of them decided, that, hey, I want to try that out yeah. over at Roanoke too. But what's really interesting is, and I tweeted it in the middle of your game today against Virginia Wesley, and you know, everyone has asked me, and it's amazing. I've had a lot of people ask me, okay, so what style are they going to play there? Are they going to? He's got all those tools that Paige had in place for this kind of a run and gun VMI style, and and and, and shoot it up kind of thing, and I. But he's, he didn't do that at Randolph. What, what's he going to do? And I always said, you're going to go with what you do. How hard is it, though, to shift a team that has been doing one style that's yeah. dramatically different to a very new style a, that slows it down, really? Well, I think you have to expect there are challenges. Now, when you say slow it down, I think if you look at us at times, we do emphasize trying to score early in the possession. We do emphasize trying to push the basketball. Yeah, you do like transition, absolutely. Um, but, you know, maybe – Maybe there aren't as many possessions in the game because mm-hmm. we're using more clock at the defensive end. Hopefully, if we're doing it right, we are. We're forcing teams to get later in the shot clock because we're trying not to give up anything easy. And we're trying not to give up stuff early. Um, you know. So, but but I think anytime you have a transition in the coaching realm, even from programs that hire from within, there there's growing pains. There's yeah. moments of like in fairness to our players, um, they're being asked to learn a whole lot of stuff right now. Yeah stuff that's new it's not to say it's better or worse or good or bad relative to what they knew before it's just different that's it it's just different and so uh, you know with that in mind there's going to be moments where it's you're trying to build habits and those habits may not be in place with certain things yet and it may take some time to get those habits in place but uh, hopefully we'll get there with it I think what we will um, but it's going to be a process for uh, in certain situations and, uh, you know, you combine that with the fact that uh, we're uh, – it's not an excuse. I don't believe in that, but we are a young team. Mm-hmm. You see a lot of youth mm-hmm. out there for us. Mm-hmm. So 
I think we have to keep in mind with our team as a coach is that, um, you know, there are moments when we maybe expect them to do certain things or be able to handle certain things in a, in a, in a uh, certain fashion where the reality is because we're not old enough yet, we're yeah. not going to. Yeah. We will, but we're not there yet with that. So uh, working through all that stuff, I think that uh, you expect to have some challenges and you expect to have some um, moments where there's you can see elements of the transition with it. But credit to our players. They've been really receptive and they've been great about wanting to learn and wanting to work. And, um, and I think that helps the process. I saw it on the floor today. I saw a few times where the guys were clearly one guy who knew where the play was going, another one may have been a step later behind. They're still learning it, and that's part of that learning the differences but you know a game like today you guys you know kind of went toe for toe with the Marlins for quite a bit um halftime it's nip and tuck it was uh 30 24 they had the lead but you had the lead earlier than that early in the second half you kind of came storming back on them um made it tight again but I know you're frustrated you guys unfortunately lose by eight in a game that I think you really thought especially low scoring by their standards and maybe by Roanoke's old standards you felt, I have a feeling, that you th- you could have had these Marlins on your home court today. And what what's the difference between yeah. what happened and where you think you could have been? Well, I don't uh, – Without giving uh, away all the secrets. Yeah, I think, first of all, <laughs> obviously, you have to respect the fact they're a really good team. Yeah. They're well-coached. They've got good players. I mean, they have everybody back from last year. That's why they're picked first, which preseason rankings don't mean a thing. But yeah. they were – you know, people were high, have them highly regarded for a reason. And uh, so you know you're going to have your hands full when you play them. Uh, by the same token, right now we're one of the things that we're working towards is trying to sustain better. Uh, at times, um, when when the going is good for us, we really feed off that. But by the same token, when we hit a little bit of adversity, sometimes we let that affect us greater than it should. Whether that's um, holding on to that play as we carry into the next play, um, responding with a different mentality at times. Um, you know, today was kind of that kind of game. I mean, we mm. were up by two or four oh, yeah. with about eight minutes to go in the first half, and we go into the half down by six. And then we come out the second half, and we go, we turn a six-point margin into a nine, excuse me, a six-point deficit into a nine-point advantage. Well, that's yeah. a 15-point swing against a really good team, and that took place in about eight minutes of game clock. Uh, and then over the last 12 minutes of the half, they go from being down nine to up eight, so 17-point swing. Yeah. A lot of highs and lows, and we have to get, as coaches, I, I have to do a better job with our players, and our players have to continue to keep working at getting a little more stable. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, not letting one bad thing balloon into three bad things, yeah. learning to continue to trust, play within yourself, but also staying aggressive. That's a fine line. That's not always easy for players to master. Um, and then we got to get better with handling the basketball. That's been an issue with us this year. We, uh, so far, especially the last three games, we just turned the ball over at too high a rate, and i got to do a better job as a coach in helping our guys to understand that, and our team hopefully will continue to make strides in that area where, uh, you know, we're not giving away possessions. What's the realistic expectation for this team this year? You know, uh, that's a good question, and I, I, uh, I would be honest with you and just simply say I, I, I haven't, I mean, every once in a while we reference what it takes to win in postseason play mm-hmm. to, the, to our team. But we've really stayed away from a lot of that. We've really simply talked about because there's so much for these guys right now. Now, they may be thinking big picture because sure. they're college kids and that sometimes happens. But with from a coaching standpoint, knowing how much they're having to digest and adjust and, and, and work with, it's really been about let's just keep making some steps forward, get better from last game to this game. Let's figure out what we need to work on. Let's tighten up what's there to improve upon. And and if we do those things, eventually I think we put ourselves in position to uh, hopefully play our best when, when postseason play rolls around. And that's 
very similar to the uh, perspective we took at Randolph. And I think for that matter, it's really a perspective that I think it serves teams well. You know, let's not get too far ahead of ourselves. It's December. Let's, uh, let's figure out what we need to do in the short term to get better right now. And if we keep doing that, eventually the big picture takes care of itself. And obviously build into conference play, get as, as highly seated as you can to position yourself as best for the tournament and, and make a run there. That's Sometimes for schools, that's the best medicine and the best plan. And, and you guys could certainly do that. Back to this building, which is outstanding. Mm -hmm beautifully lit it's got a beautiful backdrop though on a cloudy day like today it's hard to know that but i, I have seen it on a beautiful day yeah. um it's it's certainly uh, to some extent your team's getting used to it too it's you don't necessarily have a home court advantage here just as of yet well we've been in long enough i think certainly okay. there's a familiarity factor for our players sure um they, they enjoy playing in it yeah and uh, it, do, it does you know noise carries in here it makes yeah. it and, and it gives it a nice environment Makes it harder sometimes for your players to hear you on the sideline <laughs> because of the uh, yeah. Um, I think it gets lost. It. Uh, but it's a it's a good it's a good um, certainly uh, good problem to have. And 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 uh, again, we're just uh, uh, we're, we're very lucky, very fortunate, and uh, our guys have enjoyed that. On the inside basketball mentality, how important though is this a building that will help you as a program only grow and improve down the road? Well, I think it opens kids' eyes when they come to visit, yeah. families' eyes, and there's no question about that. And, um, you know, it reflects a commitment that the college has to athletics and yeah. wanting to do well and wanting to provide the best for our student-athletes. And I think if you're somebody who loves the game as a, as a player, that's the kind of environment that you want to be in, one where they really care and one where you, you, you're, you're well taken care of. And, uh, and and I think that's when you walk in here, that you, 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 that's certainly very very evident. What I mean, they've had over 100 years of coaching here. They've had some great coaches. The floor today and now officially is Charles Moyer Court. Mm -hmm. Of course, Paige Moyer, his son, had a long and successful run. And just, you know, obviously the reason you're here now is retired. There's a lot of history and there's a lot of expectations that come with that. What do you, what do you think the people of Roanoke or the fans of Roanoke, hope you can accomplish with this program? Uh, what do I think that they hope that we yeah. can accomplish? I mean, what, what That's a good question. I mean, I, it's, um, I think like anybody else, you know, I, the, the great thing about the community of Roanoke is that they care about the right things. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, you want to be successful on the court and at the same time make sure that we never compromise the values of who we are and what we are off the court. Uh, that means you get kids who care about doing things the right way, uh, who serve as great ambassadors to the institution, who are invested in, in the college community and in the fabric of our institution, and, uh, and, and, and yet really embrace all the things that make Roanoke special and unique. And uh, so, you know, obviously it's, it's about more than wins and losses, uh, but, you know, you want to get the right kids, have success on and off the court, and, um, and really have a model and a program that, uh, everybody's proud of. You know, you, know, you may not win every game, but what it stands for, what it represents, is something that's a source of pride for um, anybody that's affiliated with the college. As many know, you were a Division three student-athlete, played mm -hmm. basketball. Um, you then went off onto your coaching trail, as it were, led you through some incredible places, including Army, um, where uh, some good coaches have kind of come out of the Army tree. You know, Mike Krzyzewski, yeah, you. if you got just a couple about yeah. tonight. Um, then you came to Randolph, started the program there, and now you're here at Roanoke. To me, it feels like you're a D3 lifer. Is this a sign that 
D3 is where you want to be? Or, or or am I putting you on the spot a little bit that a D1 job in five years doesn't open up and it's too hard to resist? No, I, I, I came back to this level when I went to Randolph, um, whatever that was now, 10 years ago, nine years ago, mm-hmm. uh, for the very reason that I've always had a, an, aff- an affection for Division III. It's, uh, has a, there's a purity to Division III that's different from any other. Uh, I'm a parent of a five-year-old and a two-year-old now. <laughs> yeah, I know My that. My wife funny. and I, um, we, uh, I'm very thankful. I, I, I have the best wife I could hope for, and I, I, we, we have two great kids. And my point is, you know, I love coaching and I love what I do, and I work as hard now at it as I think I did when I was an assistant in Division One. But by the same token, I value being able to coach and do all these things, and also be a parent and be a mm-hmm. husband and and. Um, you know, maybe in some levels and in some ways that's not always as possible. Um, and so, you know, again, there, there are aspects to Division Three that are unique. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's funny. When I was in, uh, when I was at Wright State in Dayton, Ohio, we, uh, we beat Michigan State and, and they were ranked seventh in the country. And, uh, and, and it was a great win. And Michigan State actually went on that year to win the national championship. And I remembered walking off the floor that night and the students had stormed the floor and everything and <laughs> of course they did yeah and of course and, and and i'm thinking to myself well this is just what a thrill this is this is an awesome feeling well try to try to just remember this take a moment just soak this in so fast forward uh however many years later i'm at randolph and we're in our fourth year and we're in the conference tournament and we're playing virginia wesley in mm-hmm. the semis and had never beaten them to that point mm-hmm. and they were the number one seed and this was our first time making it to salem as a program and we got into the semis and and we win that day to make the finals and I think, you know, unexpectedly in, in the eyes of maybe many, but credit to our kids, they oh, never, yeah. they never, they always believed. Yeah. And, um, and I was walking off the court that day and I just remembered uh, just, it was like a flashback and I'm thinking to myself, the feeling is the very same. Like sometimes people get caught up in Roman numerals and they think, yeah. you know, division <laughs> one, boy, I bet it Good. means more to win in division one or the reward is greater. And I have never felt that way. Uh, when you when you have success at, at any level, you know how hard you had to work at it. You know what it means. Mm-hmm. The relationships are every bit as important. None of that stuff has changed. And so that's what's always been a, re- a reminder to me is, you know, it's it means just as much. It's just as rewarding. It's just as valuable. And yet there are also some aspects to it that are different from Division One in, sure. in a good way, in my opinion. Well, as a Division Three student-athlete, you can appreciate them probably more than most uh, and obviously that probably is a help on the recruiting trail but there's a lot of good former student athletes who are out there coaching as well so it's not like you're the only one but it's certainly oh, a lot of them is a yeah, cool and, and division three is certainly doing well. well i appreciate the time you took especially after a tough loss here at home but i appreciate you taking the time to join me as you probably remember i always give the final word to the guest any final things you want to say to anybody maybe no just, it's been said probably just about every time you you've, you've turned it over to your guest but um you know these kids work their tails off, and it means a lot to them. And so to have people like you who really uh, work to highlight what they do and bring that into the forefront, uh, I think is is uh, such a neat thing and, and really commend you and D3 Hoops because, um, you know, these kids, they really sacrifice a lot and they put a lot into it. It's great for them to be able to uh, kind of have some uh, – 
some spotlight, if you will, uh, for that. And uh, so thanks for all that you guys do. Well, thank you. It means a lot also coming from a guy I've known since I entered college. So. A few years. Just We're getting older. Yeah, 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 I'm looking at us now, and we have some gray hair. It's kind of scary. I've got more of it than you. So coaching is obviously more stressful than working behind the mic like you're doing. mine's just well hidden. That's all. Well, thank you again for coming on. I really appreciate it. And good luck the rest of the season. Thanks, Dave. And have fun in here, too. Thanks, man. When we come back, Kerry Harvey Cutter will join me in a pre-taped segment. You're listening to Hoops presented by D3Hoops.com for the WBCA. Oh, no, it used to usually from the WBCA and ABC studios. We'll get back to them on Thursday. In the meantime, more hoops all right after this. College basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum. It's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor's Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE-logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that college basketball built. It starts right when you hit the court. You imagine your finest moment. The game-winning shot that gets you to the dance. A monster dunk or no-look pass. And cutting down the net. Sports lets us dream of our own success and prepare us for our finest moments on and off the court. I'm a current Division III student athlete, and I remember how intimidating the first year of college can be. So if you're a first year student athlete and nervous about coming out as LGBTQ, I pledge to stand by your side as your ally. If you can play, you can play Division III. We are Division III student-athletes, and you can be too. If you can play, you can play in Division III. I did receive a non-athletic scholarship upon entering uh, school. I got the presidential scholarship, which was huge for me. I think there's more opportunities for academic scholarships in Division III. I did receive academic scholarships. Just being involved on campus, being a leader, all those things combined kind of get me recognized. It's a great experience for me. I did receive a non-athletic scholarship upon entering uh, school. I got the presidential scholarship, which was huge for me. I think there's more opportunities for academic scholarships in Division Three. I did receive academic scholarships. Just being involved on campus, being a leader, all those things combined kind of get me recognized. It's a great experience for me. Welcome back to Hoopsville. This one's a little bit of a pre-taped segment. I am Dave McHugh, and obviously I'm now joined by, we'll call him Championship Man here in Virginia. It is Kerry Harvey Cutter, good friend of ours, good friend of Division Three as well. And first and foremost, obviously we're in town for the soccer championships, in town for the basketball game. You guys are a little bit busier than I normally see you, and I'm not uh, normally here in this time of year either. No. But you guys have really stepped it up. You've been you've been pretty busy. It it's been for the for the last nine weeks, from the time we were awarded Division Three soccer, about the same time we were awarded the CIAA football championship. We had four weeks to put that one together. Nine weeks for this one. You know, two weeks is the stag bowl. Next week we're off to to semifinal yeah. games, and you know it's just a lot of stuff going on. 
Yeah. Uh, I mean, there's a big track meet here at the college yeah. today, so their inaugural meet yeah. at, uh, at Craker Kerr, and so it's just wonderful. It's interesting. It's almost like you guys this year, the, the fall season began, and by the time you're going to blink, Christmas will have arrived. Uh, I mean, you, obviously soccer came here because the NCAA knew you guys could turn it around quickly. Wonderful event, wonderful facility. But it is two weeks before football. Normally we're not talking about it and seeing you until late in December. And this year, a little bit earlier in the year because of the quirk with the calendar, it's got you guys a little bit running well, ragged, it, I it, sense. It really has. It's been a lot of stretch trying to get everything done. Because while I'm here with soccer today, right. uh, John Saunders and the group is at Salem Stadium. Right. Salem played for the state semifinals. They won today. And so there's just a lot going on. And the next week, the stadium transition to just Divisions football. 1 and 2 state championships. Yeah. He'll be here. I'll be at Mary Harden Baylor or wherever that side of the bracket is. And, yeah. You know, then the next week, Stag Bowl. This would be normally preparatory work for the Stag Bowl. This year, we moved all that prep work up. You know, we, we've been doing it since 93. So we, you know, it's a well-oiled machine by now. And all the stuff you do in advance that we would have done this week, you know, was done prior to this. Yeah, so the, we're ready to go. The advantage is you've been doing this for 20-plus yeah. years, and so obviously very familiar with the, the normal protocols and the normal steps. So adding soccer in, a little bit different. But let's point out, soccer is your 80th and 81st championships in the NCAA, 65th and 66th in Division III. We'll hand out 67 and 83 as the numbers in a couple yes. weeks of Stag Bowl. You guys have become synonymous with the NCAA championships, despite, as people will call, some of the disadvantages of location. You guys seem so ingrained but I sense from you guys, you always are never sure if this will continue. That's exactly right. We go, we go into it. Every bid we present is trying to make it better for the student athletes every year uh, while they're here. You know, while we've had 80, 80 championships, 81, we've had a lot more non-winning yes. teams. And our goal since the very first Stag Bowl in 1993 was for the team that doesn't win the national championship to leave Salem, Virginia, to leave Virginia's Blue Ridge with a good feeling because it's a great honor to get to a national championship round. You know, we've got eight teams here, but we've only got two champions. And we want the other six to leave here saying, you know, I had a great visit. That's the thing is, you, you consider the amount of teams that have come in. That's a staggering number. I can't even do the math fast enough. Hopefully, when we get back on air with Hoops, we have done the math in the 24 hours since we talked. And we keep losing the fight with the overall speaker, but I'm going to keep fighting through them as they do have a track meet going on here at the Craiger uh, facility here at Roanoke. We'll talk about the facility more. Forgive the man. I think my mic's better than his mic, so we're going to continue on. But. I mean, that's a staggering number is how many different programs, schools, teams yes. have come through the Salem area, the Roanoke Valley, and not won a championship. <laughs> and they do talk about they you guys do. and the experience. And, and we've t we talk to the teams when they're eliminated and when they lose, and, and almost invariably. They're sad, Yeah. but they say, Kerry, y'all did a great job. We had a great experience. And that's what it's about. It's about the student-athlete experience because there are a lot more teams that come to Salem that don't win a national championship than the 81 that have. And by the way, I did hear some say they loved the experience in soccer. And the bid's oh, up next year. This you know, was they're a, still open. The, the, the bids are up next year, but the deadline to enter bids was back in September. Yeah. So. And, uh, you know, it's it's been a great run. Yeah. Uh, it's far s surpassed anything we expected that we could have with soccer. We've had good crowds. It's just an outstanding facility, beautiful field, brand yeah. new turf. You know, it, and 
the athletic director at the college, Scott Lawson's a soccer guy. Yeah, exactly. And, and this has been great for <laughs> he him. Wanted this. You know, we have a great relationship with the college. You know, a lot, of, a lot of town gown you have problems with, but Roanoke College and the city of Salem really work well together in all yeah. aspects. And of course, the Old Dominion Athletic Conference with you guys are. are, are yeah, we have to have, to have Brad. <laughs> you have to Brad have Brad and JJ. JJ. But we have Bethany too, so that <laughs> makes it good. I mean, the love between them yes. is amazing. By the way, we're here at the brand new facility here for Roanoke. This ain't bad facility either. <laughs> I, I tempted to throw this one into your into your arsenal and, and mix of championship ideas. Well, we probably don't have enough seats for men's basketball. Yeah, probably a little but, small. You know, we could look at other things, and you know, who knows what we'll do. Uh, this is a great facility, and yeah. I'm so glad that they're they're honoring Coach Moyer, Charlie Moyer. Yeah. Uh, they used to play at the Civic Center when yeah. I was a youngster. Uh, Charlie came in with Don Brown to be the coach at Roanoke, and I got to know Charlie real well from the standpoint he was also the business manager of the Salem Rebels baseball team. Wow, there's a thought. And I worked at the ballpark. My claim to fame is I got to house sit Paige and Bobby Moyer, so after a baseball game when Charlie and his wife Betsy would go to the club for a little while. Hold on a second. Paige is retired, folks, and Carrie was his babysitter. I'm old. Think about that. I'm for really, a really old. Think about that. You show you my Medicare card yeah, no. in January, you know. <laughs> and I felt you were such a young man. But this place is a nice facility. Roanoke, his party. I mean, you talk about different championships. You put soccer on here. You put other things on here. I mean, folks, the soccer, the championships in division in the NCAA went to lacrosse. Soccer's now football, basketball, baseball, softball, volleyball. If I missed one. I think nope, that's, that's all of that's them all that of you've them. gotten in. You're seven of eight, and, uh, somewhat champions. And, and it's sports. not just. Division three or NCA. Uh, this year we're going to host here at Roanoke uh, the Division four Spring Jubilee, which mm. is for the, uh, boys for and girl, boys and girls soccer mm -hmm. for Virginia High School League, and then we'll also be hosting boys and girls lacrosse here, uh, and then Salem at the high school has Division three boys and girls soccer. We're doing softball at Moria, we're doing baseball at Kiwanis and Memorial, and we're doing. Uh, the tennis at Ronald College is wow. Elizabeth campus. And I'm looking forward to maybe being back here for lacrosse, women's yes. lacrosse, if I can pull it's the a, right strings. That, that's a great event. Four teams, yep. you know, two games one day, one game the next. It happens to be the same weekend as we're hosting Division II softball. Just happens. Uh, so John Shaner and I tended to clone ourselves. We're going to alternate <laughs> back and forth between the two sites. But, you know, it's it's exciting. And we can do that. The, both committees asked, did we, did we feel concerned? Because we have enough depth. And the people at Moyer, in Parks and Rec, and Civic Center people that we can move over here. You know, John John Saunders will be over here. We'll have other people over here uh, from Parks and Rec. You know, we'll, we'll be okay. You know, I've talked about it before. And the idea, and I know because the Women's Committee has kind of touched on the idea that finding a permanent home would be nice. You and I have kind of broached the idea of maybe the idea of bringing basketballs together. Do you think it's something you could pull off yes. either at one facility or yeah. two? No, no question we could do it either way. Uh, it would be, you know, if we, we could do the women here and the men at the Civic Center. We could do both of them at the Civic Center. You just run into, if you do both of them at the same site, you run into timing issues. Yeah. Who plays the afternoon games? Who plays the evenings? So you could you could alternate. You could do stuff like that. The men, of course, are locked in somewhat by they have an all-star game, and their game is televised. So right. the, the men's championship time is set by TV. It's not set by the NCAA. Right. So you run into that. But we think, and, and Brad and I have discussed this, Brad Bankston and I, uh, think it would be a great experience for the student-athletes. 
you know, if you had the same team playing on both sides, you can alternate games. You can do stuff sure. like that. If you had, you know, Stevens Point or somebody like that here playing both sides. And obviously, we're going to be back here in April for ba April. Jeez, no, March for basketball. Anything new to expect? I mean, that's kind of a curveball for you, but what can fans expect, even if they've been here many well, times? You know, it's, it's a great experience. We just try to build upon the student-athletes' experience for each of the championships. So nothing major in, in changes for uh, for basketball this year. Uh, nothing major in, in lacrosse since the time they were here other than we have new turf. So you just try to make it a, a good experience for the student-athlete. You know, the host families, the hotel, you know, everything like that is is geared to, to have them to have a good time. One thing is different for basketball, but for the student athlete though, uh, is that we're we're changing it up on the banquet night. You know, we've always had the, the customary banquet at the Civic Center. We did it the last couple of years on the floor at the yeah. Civic Center. This year we're moving it off site. We're gonna move it to center in the square. Uh, wow. We're gonna have a little bit less formal banquet. The student athletes can come in the warm up More suits. like a reception. Well we'll still be a dinner uh, and then we're gonna release them to the pinball museum uh, where they have like you know 45 pinball machines wow. from the 60s to current that's so cool. we think the kids will like that and that's what it's for it's for the students yeah. it's not for you or me or the coaches or the fans no it's the kids game oh, that is awesome that's a yeah. great idea I look forward to seeing we how wanted that... to do it for lacrosse but the room was rented so oh, we yeah. do it. hey tell them to we'll find do that the next else. year yeah exactly that's a great idea I'm it looking is. forward to seeing that well I appreciate that was Lisa's idea that's a great, yeah, we'll, yeah. We'll, we'll look up Elise in an email or our thoughts. Um, as always, hospitality here second to none. Food and drink and everything is a great time. People are friendly. And that's got to be a, a something you're proud of as well. It really is. And, and we learned the very first championship to keep the committee happy and well-fed and to keep the media happy and well-fed. I don't know what you're speaking of. Yeah, I know. Well, I, I, you've got your piece of cheesecake that right you set over, over there. there so you can eat that and then go back and have a little lasagna. Yeah. But we did give you the vegetarian lasagna. I did notice. My wife will appreciate yes. that. Yeah, I, I stayed away from yeah. it, though. No, but you guys do an amazing job, and I think the hospitality speaks highly as well. And so, well, as the gift, always. The gift bags that the committees get, yeah. uh, working with the student athletes, you know, in, in the cases of soccer, Wilson is really, really generous to the student athletes and mini balls and backpacks and sling bags and scarves and all that stuff. Yeah. It's really, really nice. Yeah, nice touch by the way. Everybody who came for the soccer, I know this is a basketball show, but folks, everybody who came for soccer and got a ticket got a Division Three scarf. They did. Um, which was helpful on a cool day for the championship, yes. but still something great. Wasn't cool, it was cold. It was, it was, it was definitely low 40s, even in the 30s for the women's game. Um, but again, you guys do a great job. I always love for having sure. you on the show, and as always, we give you the final word. You guys are, a, 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 for me, a great partner of the show as well, but any final thoughts you want to share with those? Listening? Dave, you know, we, we all talk about what D3 basketball or D3 hoops, D3 football has done. There, you all have just done so much to spread the message for Division Three. You know, the show that you do that is, you know, you talk about basketball, but you do the other show that's that's a Division Three oriented show. And I don't think we would be doing nearly as well if we didn't have you all as a vehicle to get the word out. Yeah. And, you know, you're the go-to, and we appreciate the relationship with you and with Pat and with everybody else that we've worked with through the years. It's just wonderful. We hope it continues. We hope that in five or six years you're back here still doing basketball and, wow. and football and... <laughs> You know, maybe you start a softball, D3 softball. You, hey, hey, easy. You know. 
Don't tell oh, the wife. Oh, you what ever are you doing something. in May? I mean, think lacrosse. about lacrosse. I'm back here for lacrosse. Okay, remember? Well, you know, you could do you could do lacrosse on Saturday and That's Sunday. That's true. And you could do, do softball <laughs> on Thursday, Friday, and then the championship on Monday. You know, you've got a fair point. Maybe I'll book my, well, and, my hotel room. In fact, the last time we had lacrosse and softball together, yeah, they were still televising the lacrosse championship on uh, on CBS Sports. Yes. And when they did that. The streaming wasn't needed. Well, we had rain at softball. We had to go two fields. We're the only place to have two, two games streamed at the exact same oh, time on web cool. stream. That's you know, equipment's good. Equipment's here. Use it. Yeah, might as well. Absolutely. Well, as always, you make our job easier, too. We have fun when we come down here. I've now made an extra trip, and I might make a fourth in six months nice. down here. But I appreciate you taking the time to join me. St. Thomas, we're talking to them about a condo. Yeah, I think they need one. It's their fourth trip this yeah, year. Yeah, I think they, they, they might need one. Yeah. You're right. Good call. You'd make sure it's all decked out in purple. Oh, I know all about purple. Yeah. It's amazing. Soccer. No purple. But he's carrying, of course, the timing. Right when we're wrapping off. The mic comes back a third time, which is probably our sign that we should have gotten done with this. Probably so. Yeah, but I'm pretty sure our mic is better. Nonetheless, he is Kerry Harvey Cutter. I'm Dave McHugh. We're going to leave the mic guy alone, the voice of God, as it were, for the track. When we come back, plenty more Hoopsville ahead. We'll wrap up the show here from Roanoke College in Prager when we come back with Hoopsville. Visited by D3Hoops.com. Welcome back to Hoopsville. This one's a little bit of a pre-taped segment. I am Dave McHugh, and obviously I'm now joined by, we'll call him Championship Man here in Virginia. It is Kerry Harvey Cutter, good friend of ours, good friend of Division Three as well. And first and foremost, obviously we're in town for the soccer championships, in town for the basketball game. You guys are a little bit busier than I normally see you, and I'm not uh, normally here this time of year no. either, but you guys have really stepped it up. You've been, you've been pretty busy. It, it's been for the, for the last nine weeks, from the time we were awarded Division Three soccer, I used to never really talk, ever. I was afraid if I said something wrong, everyone would laugh at me. But then I started to play golf with Special Olympics. It helped me to find my voice. And now everyone else is speechless. This is why we love sports. It's in the way they play, free from the pressures and all the money talk. Playing for simply the love of the game, where everyone has a shot at their definition of success on and off the field. This is what we love about sports and what we can still love about college sports. And welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody, from the Kreger Center on the campus of Roanoke College. I want to thank Harry, Harry Harvey Cutter for joining me. Sorry for the interview looping a little bit. Didn't get all the technological bugs set up correctly. Uh, so you heard that thing restart. I apologize for all of you who are going, what? I, I just heard Kerry talking about that. Nonetheless, we are here at the Kreger Center. We're wrapping up this, this show here live from Roanoke College. So, no, you're not going to see the show at 7 o'clock this evening. And if you're listening to the podcast, it doesn't matter. Um, but we'll be back on the air Thursday at 7 o'clock. Probably half the guests that we've tried to line up for the last couple of shows will be on that show. That is our hope. We'll talk to some of the teams from around the country and get an idea of what's going on. We'll even start bringing back our regional reporters, as we normally do, from a lot of the regions. I uh, actually got a text over the weekend from someone interested in helping us in one of the regions we don't get a lot of attention from. So that will help quite a bit. So we're looking forward to that. 
Don't forget, you can always uh, interact with us or ask us questions at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. Join us on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. I know we don't have a huge live audience today, but that comes as expected. We do know that the on-demand audience certainly likes us. We also know this is not our prototypical show. It's a little t uh, lighter on content than we normally have. But the f simple fact that we could be here at the home of the Maroons, which is a brand new $40 million facility, made sense to us and so we punted what we normally do to pull this off uh actually easier to pull this off than the hightail at home after a weekend of soccer championships and a basketball game and do hoopsville at home uh, from the wbca and abc studios than it is to just pull it off here so well uh, have our thanks to those who helped us here and momentarily but in the meantime another segment i want to bring in our friend ryan scott from d3hoops.com our around the nation columnist uh ryan has probably had a little bit of a better pulse on what's going on in division three basketball than i have with my mind on football and soccer at the same time and ryan thanks for taking the time sir oh no problem thanks for having me ryan uh, officially on the city of salem hotline as we have confirmed that that for another year the city of salem joining us as our sponsor for the hotline once again and uh for those of you who are used to hoopsville and used to seeing now of a nice picture of ryan on the screen you're not getting that today forget it you're not getting it and if you listen to the podcast it doesn't matter uh ryan um first and foremost obviously we got our first top 25 poll in men's and women's basketball uh last monday we'll get our second one here coming up in 24 hours from when you and i are talking um and i would say the voters still have a lot of things to try and figure out uh especially on the men's side uh, yeah, especially down towards the bottom. Um, I mean, we don't necessarily know how good those teams at the top are, but they're all, for the most part, still winning. Uh, we had the big game, Babson and Tufts, yesterday, but the voters at least have Babson ahead of Tufts, and that's how it worked out. Uh, down at the bottom, though, it's kind of a mess. When you start getting down St. Thomas lost, Keene State lost, uh, Illinois Wesleyan lost, albeit to a, a team that's ranked above them. But, uh, yeah, we have a lot to figure out. Yeah, it, it, it parody right um it's it's making exciting basketball all season long so it's not expected basketball at the same time makes voters a little bit more challenged but woe is us who are voters who cares in the grand scheme of things when at least we've got some good basketball to look at you know i've seen a lot of the messages you, that you've conveyed to to gordon and i as we as we chat you know there's I think that for a lot of us, it's it's a matter of figuring out. Okay, is someone overrated? Is someone underrated? Is someone is it smoke and mirrors? Is it legitimate? Which is a lot of times something you have to figure out with a handful of schools. We're trying to figure it out with about fifty. Yeah, or a hundred and fifty even. Uh, I mean, probably, uh, the parity yeah. really has been has been pretty amazing that you can look at a team, especially early in the season when they haven't played a lot of games. You know, I went to Swarthmore against Dickinson yesterday, and those are both two good, solid teams that could probably beat you know, a top 10 team on a good day, but you don't know how many good days they're going to have yet. Yeah. I was sitting here uh, watching Virginia Wesley and Randolph-Macon, and, and I see Randolph-Macon being young, uh, Randolph-Macon Roanoke, being a little bit young and I and, and maybe not a top 25 team, but then I'm looking at this Virginia Wesleyan team, and there's times where I'm like, okay, yeah, I could see them as a top 25 team. They're going to they're gonna really be good. And then there's other times I'm looking and I'm going, no, I, I, I could see how a Skidmore could beat them. No, I, I can see how somebody else can beat them. And then five minutes later, I'm back to thinking, no, maybe not. Maybe it's the other way around. Um, obviously, it's early in the season, and teams are still trying to figure themselves out. But when you're already into conference play, some teams have got to figure out things quickly. Well, right. I mean, and we're going to really rely on conference play a lot this year, and it may yeah. take us, you know, through January before we really know even who it, who the best teams are in the conference. Yeah. You can't tell me right now who's going to win the WIAC or even no. who's going to finish in the top four. You yeah. know, it's it's uh, it's a little crazy. And you know, you have a team that like North Central who looks really really good, and then and then they have 
uh, a really you know, bad game. One, one bad game, yeah. right, against Platteville this week where they looked awful. Yeah, and so and that's you know one of your top five teams, and I don't I don't think we're wrong to have them up that high, but you know they're not playing that way. It's outside of Babson, you know, there's nobody you know for sure is going to be in every game they're playing. Yeah, I think Marietta and Babson are about the only two that I've seen yeah. where I've gone okay. I'm confident I know what they've got. Amherst hasn't exactly played anybody that I expect, but c- good thing we got Amherst Babson coming up. Um, you, know, you look at a team like, you know, then you got the teams that have struggled. You've got the John Carrolls and the Ohio Wesleyans, who a lot of people expected a lot out of, out of and, and to, to say they stumbled out of the gate, Ryan, would be, be kind to them. Yeah, well, I mean, and, and, you know, I wrote about Ohio Wesleyan a little bit this week, and uh, then they lost again, you know, know, and uh, it, it, it's, it's uh, just hard to know what's going to happen and some, at some point, you know, especially those conferences, you get into conference play, uh, you're going to be digging yourself too big a hole. There's a lot of teams who are already setting themselves up for trouble come Selection Sunday in, in, in the end of February uh, with the way they've started. But on the flip side of that, just to look ahead, I'm not it's more of a rhetorical statement, but looking ahead, we've already got a scenario here where kind of like last year where teams with a lot of losses are going to make the NCAA tournament because there's just everybody has a lot of losses, and the SOS is going to be so important. Um, you got a chance to watch that Babson Tufts game a little bit, I know. Um, and we know that Joey Flannery was out uh, earlier, previous game, due to a, a Friday, fo- the night before. That's right, it was the night before, due to a foot ailment. Um, he looked pretty darn good coming back, at least on the stat sheet. From your point of view, how did he look? Yeah, I, I can't think of a, a – I mean – it's it's the point where I was starting to doubt, you know, whether he really is, uh, you know, our favorite for player of the year, just yeah. uh, because there's so many good performances, and then you throw out a stat line like that. I mean, he took 31 shots in that game. Uh, you know, he scored 42 points, nine rebounds. He had seven threes. I, I mean, he, and and you know, this is a, a guy whose foot hurt too badly to play the night before. Yeah, he sat all uh, about, he sat all of a minute. <laughs> he sat all of a minute in uh, that game. And I know you mentioned to me when we were at the Hoopsville Classic when I was starting to talk up some of these other teams, you said, yeah, but, you know, Flannery's the kind of guy who can just take over a game if he needs to. <laughs> and, uh, you know, <laughs> I guess he's proven that. Uh, we'll see what happens with Amherst coming up. Um, Marietta's undefeated still. They beat Baldwin-Wallace by 20. Is is Marietta going <laughs> to is Marietta gonna not beat a team by 20 this season? We'll see, because they were they was close at halftime. Yeah. I mean, they had to put on a good run in the second half to take that away, and uh, you know they're they're and they're doing it. You know, that's mm-hmm. the thing. You have a team like Christopher Newport, who's had you know some real bad games. They yeah. struggled with Frostburg yesterday. Um, you know, and that's the kind of team who can put on a run. But there's a difference between being able to do it and then doing it consistently in every game. Uh, yeah, it's Marietta has been real impressive. You mentioned North Central uh, losing, as we as we mentioned, to Platteville, and, it, and it, they didn't they did not look good in that game whatsoever. But obviously, looked good against Illinois Wesleyan, beating them eighty four seventy five. Illinois Wesleyan jumping into the top twenty five all the way up to number sixteen uh, in their return to that number. And of course, that's a huge early season CCIW game. People not used to that um, because of of Carroll entering uh, the conference, um, or in some cases re-entering the conference. Um, they've had to go to these earlier games. And that's a game that gives a top 25 voter fits. Uh, I mean, it does and it doesn't. I, I, I went in. I've had North Central ranked above Illinois Wesleyan. Uh, I feel like it's a better team. They sure. won that game. Um, you know, it, it's it's obviously earlier in the season than you'd like to see these yeah. teams play. But we are going to get to see them play again. 
later on. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, we're just going to have to get used to that this year, that yeah. some of these teams, even teams way up in the rankings, are going to have just an unexplainable loss on there. Uh, and then you have Wash U, for example, a team I'm not even voting for. They're number nine. That just tells you how much I'm being offset by the other voters. Um, and I, I don't know if I'm the only voter not voting for them. Who knows? Um, I haven't gotten an email yet as if, if, as if I'm crazy, so I, I at least assume people trust that, that that was a right decision on my part. But they, they, they lose to Eau Claire yesterday, 64-50 at home. You know, Eau Claire is the team that I've gotten told by a few WIAC people to keep an eye on, that they're the ones who are going to probably go and win the conference. But there's another game where it's a number 21 Eau Claire beating a number 9 Wash U that you sit there as a voter going, okay, which game was that? Was that the North Central game against, you know, that looked bad against Platteville, or is that a game that, that they that these two teams looked pretty darn good in? It, it's hard to read. Yeah, it is. Uh, I mean, I was a little more expecting this. I have Eau Claire just ahead of Wash U on my ballot. So oh, good. it worked out sort of, sort of as I expected it to, but I thought Eau Claire looked a little better than I expected them to, especially being at Wash U. Um, you know, it was close throughout, but they really seemed to be the better team through most of the game. Um, but again, you know, uh, that WIAC, there's, there's a lot of good teams up there. Yeah. Uh, nobody's even talking about Stevens Point this year, and you and I saw them. That's a strong team. Yeah. Um, but you don't know how that's going to wash out once they, they get into playing each other. Um, another thing that jumps out at me is that Swarthmore game. I've been told by a few people, the ones I trust, that Swarthmore is really the team to watch, that they're better than anticipated, um, that they're going to be the excuse me, the class of the Centennial, which, by the way, I'm, I, I'm fine with because I don't think it's F&M this year. Um, I know there's going to be those out there who think I hate F&M, but I think they're too exposed, uh, not enough pre- uh, presence inside. You saw Swarthmore play against Dickinson in an uh, interesting, interesting game, to say the least. Tell us, everybody, how that one finished. Well, it was an exciting game. I drove up to Swarthmore. I knew those would probably be the two best teams in the Centennial. I wanted to see them play. It's only an hour from my house. I uh, went up, saw a great game. I was surprised by how deep both of those teams were going. Mm-hmm. They had eight and ten guys on the floor within ten minutes wow. of the game starting. Um, also, some young guys really contributing. There are two freshmen from Swarthmore who are both really impressive. They haven't gotten a lot of minutes yet, but that's going to be towards the end of the year, especially. They're both big guys. Six, 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 seven is going to be really helpful for Swarthmore down the line. I thought Dickinson played a little bit better, uh, but Swarthmore is certainly the more talented team. Uh, and I... <laughs> I don't know if you've been on the boards. I picked them to be the one that's the last undefeated team this year, mostly because of the schedule they have. But they uh, uh, almost almost lost it yesterday. Awesome. Had to miss a, a free throw, mm-hmm. get it tipped out to the three-point line. Zach Yonda hit a fall-away three-pointer with three guys running at him to tie the game and send it into overtime. So it was a really exciting day. Uh, up in uh, greater Philadelphia. Almost like the uh, play Rochester pulled on Chicago last year, the difference being I think that guy threw a pass to himself essentially off the rim. Um, Other interesting uh, results yesterday, Washington College beat Gettysburg in conference action. That's a Gettysburg squad that has kind of played some... Double overtime. Yeah, and double (laughs) overtime, correct. Uh, A Gettysburg squad that's played up and down. Christopher Newport struggled again. This time against Frostburg State, though I've been told Frostburg State's a a little bit of a, maybe a sleeping giant there. Um, Well, both teams shot less than 30%, so I don't know that... (laughs) That's true. That's true. A a pretty ugly game, of course, at Christopher Newport. Um, But yeah, under 30% um, and out-rebounded, which isn't good for a, a captain's squad there. And there's some 
some other games. Again, Augsburg uh, defeated St. Thomas, as you mentioned. Newman, who's the pick of the CSAC, uh, had a 90-78 to win over defending champs, Gwen and Mercy. I'm just reading off basically the storyline that you guys put together, uh, so on and so forth. Uh, by the way, hats off to St. Elizabeth's first year in Division Three as a program. Uh, they get their first win over the... Um, Ben State Abington 96-92 in overtime but any other anything else of note this week in men's before I ask you a couple questions on women's but anything else on the men's side that kind of has so, had you piqued your interest as it were So how deep do we want to go Dave Yeah I'll let I you go it. this one's I, yours I'm I'm impressed I'm impressed with Gallaudet in the yeah. NIAC I beat think Lancaster win Bible that I forgot they beat Lancaster play, Bible they did, and they're playing well. They got a strong team there. I, I think they're the best team in that conference. The other one to look out for in the skyline, Yeshiva, playing really good yes. early in the season. Yep. Uh, I'm liking the results that they've got going. Um, is awesome. And I think the other one that we need to mention, Denison, is uh, beat Worcester this week and are still undefeated. Yep. They're playing pretty well. Um, team we talked about at sort of this time last year, and trailed off a little bit as the season went along, but that's another team to be looking for. But, uh, yeah, I, I think it would be interesting we, if we get to an NCAA tournament we've got Yeshiva and Gallaudet in there. I think that would be awesome. Um, Yeshiva got the win over NYU. We mentioned that on the last show. Uh, Yeshiva's had a couple of years now where they've started off pretty strong. It's when they take that long break they have to take that, that things get interesting. I'm, I'm going to be fascinated to see how they come out of that. By the way, I just got this note. I just noticed this one. Olivet, uh, I think that's, yeah, no, Oglethorpe. Uh, men's basketball set the Division three record with 12 straight three-pointers made, breaking a mark set wow. by Willamette back in 1987. Um, wow. Yeah, talk about wow. I also know Stevenson's, um, oh, who was it? Uh, hang on a second. On, in women's basketball, Stevenson's uh, Sarah Tarbert uh, broke the school record with 49 points in a win over Widener Ooh. yesterday in women's basketball, which is my way of transitioning into women's basketball. Um, top 25, a little bit more status quo uh, as it normally has. I was a little surprised St. Thomas kind of fell behind in the top 25 this week to uh, Scranton, but still having four first-place votes. I think some people were reacting to the news uh, of their of their um, uh, ramifications and such. But outside of that, uh, George Fox has struggled a little bit this season out of the gate. Barely caught past Chapman and then beat Puget Sound by one last night. That one kind of stood out to me. Yeah, I mean, the other Texas Tyler's lost twice this week. Oh, thank you. So yes. that's the other one. I don't know if you noticed that one up I there. I did. Oh, well, thanks um, to your notes, I did. That's the other surprise. <laughs> yeah, this is why we have Ryan um, on, folks, because I'm busy with soccer and football and <laughs> basketball this week. My brain was anywhere but where it should have been at any given time. So that's why I have Ryan on. But thanks. I did see your notes. Texas Tyler's, and, and by the way, the headline of, of, the, of the story last night sounds painful. Um, because, yes. Well, that's who, Gordon's good with the puns. Yeah, that's who Texas Tyler lost to. What's your sense? Is Texas Tyler overranked? Is is Texas Tyler maybe just hit a, a, the skids? I mean, this is a tough question to ask this time of year because you could make an argument that a lot of teams are overranked in the men's and women's polls at this point in the season. Yeah, I mean, teams are up there because of who they're bringing back. And yeah. you, know, you got Obak there who's you know an All-American player, and, and that kind of person is what leads to high rankings is what you see. Um, you know, I'm not a voter on the women's side, so I don't pay quite as much attention right. to necessarily where those teams should be ranked at this point in the year. Um, they've had some close games, but it's still a strong team. I watched part of their game the other day 
Uh, I mean, they're playing well. That's yeah, I think it's still early in the season. Um, you know, it's a it's a strong squad, and I, I wouldn't be too concerned about a couple of losses early. Maybe they're not a top-five team, but they're still going to be around in the conversation when it comes tournament time. By the way, I misspoke. George Fox lost to Puget Sound. I was trying to say that when I made it sound like George Fox beat Puget Sound. Puget Sound won the game, ending a 33-game conference winning streak. Speaking of conference winning streaks, albeit it's it's not the strongest conference in the country, but Regis, what is it, 95 straight conference victories now um, uh, for the for that for that women's basketball program. I, I, listen, it doesn't matter what conference you're in if you're winning that many conference ter- uh, games in general. That's pretty impressive. Um, yeah, it's a. Very impressive. Yeah, I mean, even if you, you are in the worst conference possible, and I'm not saying they are, but if the, even if you were, you're still consistent enough to win 95 straight. That's insane. Well, we'll have to check. They moved conferences. They did. I don't the, know, maybe the last, six or eight years ago. Yeah, the last So have 10. they lost in this conference at all? No. No, they have not. <laughs> they may not have ever lost in this conference. So. Yeah, they have not. What no, is that, the NECC they're in? Yeah, the first 10 of their run is in the old conference, and the rest is in this conference. So, yeah, they have not okay. lost in this conference. Uh, okay, so looking ahead, we got Monday, obviously tomorrow, or if you're listening to the podcast, probably today, we come out with our new Top 25 poll. We'll get a couple more before we take the break. Uh, we'll stick with men just because it's a little easier for you, obviously. What are you looking for right now in your Top 25? Or, or what are you trying to make in terms of adjustments to what you've now seen this season already? Well, uh, I feel pretty good about the teams I have near the top at this point. Um, the big, the big question is going to be some of these teams farther down. I voted for East Texas Baptist last week and jinxed them into two losses. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I kept Ohio Wesleyan on in 25th spot and they lost. Yep. Um, you know, St. Thomas lost. I don't know that I'll be able to keep them on. Keene State just lost a game to UMass Dartmouth that they probably shouldn't have. Agreed. But uh, that that probably has to come into consideration. Um, you know, it's those teams at the bottom and who is actually getting the big wins and who's playing consistently. Um, I try to look pretty far down those standings and consider as many teams as possible to, to give them a chance to get on this, this top 25. But, um, you know, it's really 15 on down. Uh, you know, it's it's real interesting to see. I, I look for consistency. Are you playing good teams, beating good teams? Are you, uh, you know, playing consistent basketball? Because ultimately that's what's going to lead to good records at the end of the year. You know, if you show up day in and day out, uh, you're going to have a good record, and uh, those are the teams we're looking for. Um, switching gears, talking about around the nation, as you are an around the nation columnist this year. So far, some really interesting articles. Can you give everybody quickly a, a brief synopsis of what you've written so far? Well, I talked, uh, the first column was about uh, coaching transitions. We had nine uh, 20-plus year coaches at one school who retired. (laughs) One of them did it the day after I published the column. So (laughs) I missed including him on that. Um, (laughs) But I talked a little bit about what that transition means and how difficult it is. And I think we're seeing some of that. I talked to Scott Bittner at Stockton. Mm -hmm. They've had a real struggle to start the season, Mm -hmm. Uh, probably not in a way that he or anyone else would have expected. I haven't caught back up with him to see to see what he's doing, but uh, that's included there. Uh, the next week we talked about traveling and, and some of these interregional games, which we're seeing a whole lot of teams being willing to travel, being willing to schedule good opponents from uh, outside their region. Um, piggybacked a little bit on the Hoopsville Classic with that. Um, Thank you. And then just talked about some surprises this last week. Uh, upcoming, though, I'll give a little plug. Yes, that's what I was... Top 10 that... points. 
top 10 point guard column coming out Ooh, next week. Ooh, interesting. And this will be controversial because, yeah. you know, there's, you know, eight, 800 point guards out there, and I have not seen all of them. Well, and and I'm sure I'll miss some. And but, everybody's uh, got yeah. their favorite, and so it doesn't matter who you pick. Uh, everyone's got their favorites uh, uh, as to who they right, have. We are planning this as a two-part series, so I'll put my 10 out next week, and then after the holidays, we'll do another column with what uh, responses I get in and, and who people oh, okay. have responded with. We'll talk about point guards again. So we're planning it, so I, there will be some, some chance to rebut me a little bit. <laughs> um, now, I'm looking forward to that. You've, you've had some great articles, and I've enjoyed them. Thank you again for the, to the nod towards the Hoopsville Classic. Certainly appreciate it. I know some of the, those involved with the event were appreciative of the comments as well. Um, and Anything that you're looking for before the holidays? Is there something that you're keying on to, to understand before we hit kind of the, the period of time where basketball teams take a bit of a break that, you, that you're, you're most fascinated in? I know that's kind of an off-the-wall question, but just kind of curious. Well, I'm kind of fascinated with there's much less of a break this year than in other years. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of holiday tournaments going on. Yeah. Um, you know, some teams are still going to take four weeks off or whatever, but uh, there's a lot of teams playing over the break, and I'm hoping Catholic has an interesting tournament over the, the New Year's. There's uh, Swarthmore's got some good teams in. They're playing like the 18th and 19th, I think, of December. Um, you know, uh, I think just even the fact that we may not have as much time off as we have typically had in the past would be really interesting. And the teams that play right through the break, are they going to are they going to do better in the spring than the teams that take time off? Yeah, fair point. Uh, Babson's cramming. Uh, I think I what did I say about a half to a third of their schedule into the first quarter, and then taking a monster break before taking that trip, as you mentioned in your article, out to Chicago for a game against Chicago before coming home. So, uh, yeah, I am fascinated to see how the break affects some teams. Some do it because of the ECACs. Some do it because uh, of school commitments. Um, there are all different kinds of reasons for those breaks. Some just happen. They, you know, it's not necessarily a planned thing. So uh, the other thing, too, I'm looking forward to kind of around that time, Ryan, and, and something I I'm, I'm want to keep people an eye on. Some conferences are starting at some random times this season. Um, the Liberty, mm -hmm. December 30th and 31st conference games. Insanity. Wow. Yeah, insanity. We knew about it last year when Skidmore mentioned it to us. I thought hopefully it would be changed. It has not been. They have conference games on December 30th and 31st this year. And I know a couple other conferences with, with December 31st games. Really interesting twist this year, the way the calendar has worked out. So something to keep an eye on uh, as well. And I will say this, sir. I know you like to get to games every once in a while. I don't know if necessarily this can get on your list anytime in the near future. But you got to come to the Kreger Center. This is this is a fascinating place. Well, if nothing else, I'll I'll be there for uh, the final four weekend. Right, we'll be able to see it. Yeah, we'll I'd have you drop by there. Yeah, we'll, we, well, you should make sure to get over here to see it during final four weekend. That is for sure. This place is yeah. amazing. Yeah, it uh, looks pretty good. I've just seen the pictures and the video you're you're showing there, but it really does seem like a, just a first class facility they've got there. Uh, I know Paige was talking about it like crazy when we were there last year yeah. about what it's going to look like and was excited to, to – we all thought he was crazy for retiring right before it yeah. opened. But, yeah, though, uh, though a little uh, joke, I hope he doesn't mind sharing. Uh, I think he said this to a few people. I think he didn't want to play on a court that was named after his dad. That's my theory. All right, there you go. That's what I'm thinking. I think he didn't want the there pressure of, of playing on his dad's court. Hey, uh, Ryan, appreciate you coming on. Any final thoughts before I let you go? Um, no, other than, uh, you know, keep coming out to games and looking, I'll, I'll be in Salisbury, uh, two weekends yeah. from now, the Christopher Newport is going to be there for the conference tilt. 
that should be really interesting. Both the men's and the women's game should be very high quality. Um, although they have a lot to live up to with the Dickinson Swarthmore game I made last week, but um, because there are so many great games over the holidays, there shouldn't be much excuse to get out and see them, right? That's true. I, I agree with you. I know I'll be making quite a few myself. And uh, thanks for taking the time to join me on the show here. No problem. Anytime. Yeah, he is uh, Ryan Scott, our around the nation article, our writer, I should say, and columnist. Certainly helps Gordon and I as well with the website. Appreciate him coming on the show. Uh, if he hasn't gotten my message off the air, I am not going to commercial break, so I'm not able to get back to the phone to chat with him. Um, but uh, we're going to wrap up the show here without taking that break. Um, but again, Ryan kind of touched on a lot of the things that voters are trying to figure out. I think other people in general are trying to figure out. I think I touched on this last year, and I think it's something to keep in mind now. There's a lot lot of losses taking place against for some really good teams early in the year that is going to come back and be a factor when we are talking about them in February. Remember, games on November 15th mean just as much as games in, in on February 15th in Division 3. And so the Ohio Wesleyans, the John Carrolls of the world, even the North Centrals with a loss to Platteville and others who are taking some losses now, this is going to have a trickle-down effect come February. But what we saw last year especially with at-large picks was how many more teams were in the mix with more losses than we're used to seeing. That's not a testament of saying that there are better teams who've taken more losses, and that's not a, a, a something to say that, that the pool has, has gotten shallower in some sense. I believe the pool has gotten deeper, and as a result, there are more losses being taken. Last year, I think we avoided a little bit of, of some pool C chaos. I'm not saying that um, in a bad way. I just mean that so many teams in the fray that it's going to get it's going to get very nick, nip and tuck as you select teams. But I will say I think it's going to be at the fray this year. I think we're going to have a lot of really good teams and. You know, looking at the strength of schedule numbers, looking at win-losses, looking at common opponents, results versus regionally ranked opponents, which remember, the results versus regionally ranked opponents is going to be slightly different this year with with regions like the Atlantic, the East, Mid-Atlantic, possibly the Great Lakes and others expanding their number, Northeast reducing its number. I think the Northeast has been at 13. I believe they're going to 12, if not 11. The East Atlantic and Great La and Mid-Atlantic will go out to 8, if not 9. It's an idea of trying to balance those regions a little bit. So results versus regionally ranked opponents is going to alter. I will say this, and I saw this argument in the past, and, and it's a dangerous argument to make. And I know it sounds like who cares argument right now is where I'm talking to you in early December. But it's something to keep in mind when we get to February. Trying to compare who has been picked based on criteria in the past is not going to help us now. Uh, there was a large, I remember, I thought, a large conversation, especially on D3 boards last year about, well, so-and-so is not going to make it because this other team two years ago with similar criteria didn't make the tournament, so there's no way they will. The difference between that team three years ago and the team this year was there were more losses across the board last season than there were three years ago. 
it's hard to compare seasons. Yes, you can compare reasons, but comparing seasons is dangerous. And so I think when we get to February, we're going to be talking about these Ohio Wesleyan and John Carroll teams and these others who have taken a number of losses early in the season and maybe have more losses than we normally expect them to in that position as an at-large school or possibly hosting or whatever. So keep an eye out for that. I think that's going to be pretty significant when we get down the road. Um, I'm also hearing about ideas of, of changing some strength of schedule ideas and some other, I kind of, I, we'll get to it at a later date. I don't want to get into the details and I'm not talking about changing the formula, but changing when SOS is no longer calculated. It's a fascinating topic. We're going to talk more about that possibly on Thursday. Uh, it's one that I think is worth at least having a conversation about. It may allow the return of conference tournaments to be a little bit more exciting without the risk of hurting the best teams in the conference. We'll talk about that coming up on Thursday. Also on Thursday, we'll talk to more teams uh, and get more coaches back on the air and, and start to gauge a little bit more of the landscape. Remember, here's kind of our schedule the rest of the way. You're on the air on Thursday. That is, uh, what day is, is, is Thursday? Let's see, do uh, 8th. December 8th will be on the air. We'll be back on the air then on December 11th as well. We will then be off the air on the 15th due to the fact that we will be back here in the Roanoke Valley for football championships. We can tell you this much. It won't be an all-purple affair. It is impossible if you haven't been watching football. On one side of the bracket, it is Mary Harden Baylor versus Mountain Union. So we have one purple team that will make it here. And it's then Oshkosh versus John Carroll. Neither of those teams is purple. We're going to get a different team here for the first time in, in, a, in a long time outside of St. Thomas. So looking forward to that. But we'll be back here in two, and just far too busy. I am, I'm de I've debated about doing a show. I don't think it's going to be possible uh, and not worth trying to kill ourselves to do it. However, that's the next following Sunday. We will be back on the air on the 18th with a show. Try and wrap up December as we look ahead of the holidays. We've debated about doing a show on the 22nd. That is 50-50. That close to the holidays, I think we're just going to take it off and enjoy two and a half weeks of a break and bring back Hoopsville a little bit more rejuvenated on December um, 5th, I believe, will be the first one back on Thursday. Granted, we'll be at the D3Hoops.com Classic. Gordon Mann, myself, Pat Coleman will be joining us, among others, and we'll be doing plenty of interviews with coaches and players there. So don't um, please look forward to seeing those interviews in our stead. That's going to do it for us. I want to really thank those here at Roanoke College and the City of Salem for their help. Um, Chris Kilcoin, the Sports Information Director here at Roanoke College, along with the Athletics Director, Clay Nunley as well, for their assistance in helping us not only be able to do the show right here from the Craiger Center, but also to be able to uh, talk to Clay and talk to others and, and get a tour of this wonderful facility. I haven't even gotten a full tour. It's that big a facility. Haven't had the time. I had the honor, too, of being able to call the Division Three Men's Soccer Championship weekend here, the semifinals and championship game. Thanks to J.J. Nekoloff, Ira Thor, and Jeff Burns for their assistance and uh, joining me on the air. It was in a wonderful event. Uh, formally, hats off to the Tufts Jumbo, Jumbos for winning that. And by the way, Hats off to the WashU women who defeated Messiah in the championship game in overtime. Um, 
in that affair. I think it was overtime. I've actually lost track. Uh, the men's game was in double overtime. I want to say it was great to do soccer down here. It was a wonderful event done by Roanoke College as well. So uh, we'll be back here for the Stag Bowl for another championship. Looking forward to that. I know that's a little bit not basketball related, but because Kerry was on the show earlier talking about everything that's going on down here, I wanted to make sure. By the way, I will say this Kreger Center is certainly, I think, Division three event worthy. Uh, I got word that they thought about trying to do volleyball here. I think that's this, that was this weekend when soccer was going on. They also had an indoor track event going on. They had this basketball game on Sunday. There was way too much going on this weekend to be able to do volleyball, but this absolutely could be a tremendous venue for volleyball, uh, men's or women's. Um, I think they can get away with the women's tournament in here, absolutely. It doesn't seat as many as we normally accustom. I think usually we like to aim for the 3,000 mark. This one with standing room will hold 2,100. Uh, it is 1,700 in seats. They're actual bucket seats, not bench seats, so that number is a little bit more lock solid. But I think from having been at uh, a couple women's championship weekends, this wouldn't be a bad place to do it. Maybe a little small. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see if they even put in to do it. I'd be fascinated to see if this, how this, if this location would do. Granted, if it's taking place the same weekend as the men down at the Salem Civic Center, which, believe it or not, on camera is in that direction, um, I'm not sure if it would conflict. I don't. I know the crews could handle it. I'm just not sure how the environment would be. But this is a wonderful facility. It's probably up there one of the best in Division Three, um, and it's not done because they want to be awesome. Specious, uh, audacious and they don't want to be flamboyant. They did it because they had a really old building. The Bass Center had been around before I was even in college. Um, I saw it when I toured this campus as a, as a potential student of Roanoke College back in the early 90s. So this was kind of needed and they've done a wonderful job and I applaud them for what they've done. And again, thanks to Chris Kilcoin and the rest for letting us being able to do the show here so we didn't have to rush home and try and do a show at night. But considering what time it is, I do have to head up north on I-81 and get home. So we're going to wrap this show up. Lots going on in Division Three, and I know Hoopsville hasn't been necessarily the most consistent source for your information, but I appreciate you tuning in. We will get back to our consistency in due time. It's just a busy time of year for those of us who have, uh, have to keep our hands in the mix wherever we can. If you've got any questions for us, you have guest ideas, or you have thoughts on the show, please feel free to share them with us via Twitter at D3Hoopsville or the hashtag Hoopsville, via email Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com, or join us on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. We're also on Instagram, though we don't tend to interact through there. That's really where we promote what we're doing on the show. At D3Hoopsville is our Twitter or Instagram account as well. Don't forget this broadcast will be podcast later through SoundCloud and iTunes, and we hope you'll enjoy it there. We'll be back at the NABC WBCA studios coming up on Thursday. 7 o'clock Eastern time is our expected start with that one. We hope you'll join us there. We're looking forward to being back at our home as well. If you have any questions, you know how to get a hold of us. Thank you for tuning in. Thanks to Clay Nunley for joining us. Thanks to Harry Carby, Harvey Cutter for joining us. And of course, Ryan Scott for giving us a little bit of a whip around Division 3 as well. Thank you for tuning in. And from the Kreger Center on the campus of Roanoke College in Salem, Virginia, in the Roanoke Valley, thank you for tuning in to Hoopsville. You've been watching Hoopsville presented by D3Hoops.com. We'll be again back at the WBCA NABC studios coming up um, later in the um, week. Thank you for tuning in. Enjoy some Division Three basketball. It's certainly getting good right now. And don't forget that new Top 25 is coming out tomorrow. Good night, everybody. <laughs>